Hello. It's Grace. It's Madeline. It's Patrick. Oh my gosh, who's Patrick? Well, 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 well. loyal listeners will remember him from the last episode we did. The That's our story. erstwhile German pronunciator. <laughs> Not translator, but speaker. Pronunciator, great. Um, Patrick's here because we are doing a special mini episode about... Forms of media, ins- not forms of media, but pieces of media inspired by... This is part of Grace's graduate thesis. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> the Neverending Story by Michael Enda. Our last full-length episode is on that. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Patrick is here so that we can be a united sibling trifecta because as children, we had much more experience with a television series inspired by the book than the book itself. It's a weird animated series. Canadian animated series. Canadian. Canadian. Um, probably hasn't been seen by many, and we're not even sure how we ended up with it, but we had that VHS and we watched it. All the time. Ad nauseum for some reason. We it <laughs> so like really times. soothed our fevered little <laughs> child brain. There were a lot of fun colors. There were a lot of, a lot fun, of colors. fun colors. So what we did to prepare for this mini episode was rewatch an episode from that animated series and then just to be fair to all the normal people whose childhood <laughs> incorporated the 1984 live action film which is a beloved classic and we're going to be talking about both today and kind of our reactions to experiencing them as adults and yeah. how they compare to the book a little bit. Patrick hasn't read the book but it's okay. How they hold up, what it's like to experience them as adults, and then where they depart from the book in surprising ways. We're not going to do a full comparison because I just don't think anyone cares. Disclaimer, we were watching this media as adults, and if uh, less likely you felt a very serious way about the animated series, or more likely have a lot of happy, warm nostalgia for the live-action 1984 film, you probably shouldn't listen to this episode because um, not all of our thumbs were up. <laughs> to put it succinctly. Yeah, great summary of what's ahead. So yeah, maybe skip the rest of this if you don't want to hear some adults trashing your... Cynical adults um, talking about the merit of what is a beloved children's film. I mean, I hadn't seen the movie in like, since I was six. That's 18 years. Yeah, I've seen the movie more recently, so I knew more of what to expect. But neither of you had seen it since you were kids, Years. right? Yeah. So, first reactions, first thoughts. Uh, the things in the movie, the animals, the creatures, the people, a lot of them seemed like they were intended to be cute or warm or like appealing to a child as an adult I was often thoroughly disquieted by their appearance by their moistness by the the slime yeah there's a lot of things that they said but they're they're scary and off-putting to children too I think I don't understand why this is appropriate for children I guess is is my my main takeaway to be fair, this is something that Grace said because I asked while we were watching this movie because there's a lot of weird puppets and animatronics. I asked, well, okay, when did Labyrinth come out for comparison? 
and uh, Grace reminded me that it came out like within three years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it came out in 87. But that was Jim Henson Studios, and this was made uh, by a German mm-hmm. film German company. Yeah. And it was, it had a big budget. I believe, I, I couldn't find this figure again, but when I was doing research for our book episode, that it was at the time the most expensive film that had ever been produced in Germany. Uh, it had a what equated to a 27 million US. 27 million million 27 million dollar US US dollar budget. Oh my god. A hard time, huh? I, can't, I can't eat ice cream before dying. Recording. Yeah, we just we, had delicious ice cream. No, we took an ice cream break. Shout out to the new Fold Hill location in Capitol Hill, Seattle. Located on 15th Avenue for your convenience. Ice cream. If you care, you care. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> This is relevant to such a small fraction of the <laughs> listeners, but that's okay. The film was super popular. It took in $100 million in the box office, and audiences loved it. Michael Enda did not love it. Um, he actually said that he was, quote, revolted by the film, unquote, um, and at one point requested that they halt production. So this was during the production process he realized that it was not going to resemble his book in the way that he hoped um or that they changed the film's name and they refused to do either and he sued them and lost so really depressing heart-rending stuff um and that's i think in a lot of ways every children's author's fear yeah uh, that your work will be adapted into a monster that you no a longer recognize and uh you'll have no control over it yeah um, the, I think it's hard to look at the effects in the film in 2018 and see them as anything other than upsetting, just, but also like jarring slapdash and mm-hmm. poorly done. Yes. Um, and I know that at the time these were somewhat cutting edge. Um, but I also think about like the Star Wars films, um, which are actually older. Using things like miniatures though, as opposed to right. like Yeah, and I'm talking about the Star Wars films before George Lucas gutted them and made them into There was a, a bat creature that reminded me of Jar Jar Banks in this movie. No, that, that was, was the snail. snail. The I snail. was racing snail. Snail that yeah. looks like a Gungan. Um, so that was tough. Uh, there were some some scenes that we thought were done well, like the um, gates to the Southern Oracle were pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, although they, all of the sphinxes had prominent nipples. Very buxom sphinxes. Just like <laughs> giant grapefruit breasts <laughs> with were nipples. Not <laughs> they were not impacted Hi, kids. by gravity. <laughs> yeah, hello. <laughs> Love this movie? Welcome. Please be over 18. <laughs> um... Yeah, that scene was interesting, although they also shoot literal lasers, like lightning bolts. From their eyes. Lightning bolt-shaped lasers. And they fry that guy. The the helmet peels back, he's all black and charred. Yeah, you see a charred face. Yeah, it's (laughs) intense. And I mean, that's after the uncomfortable Falcor sexual pleasure scene. Oh my god. (laughs) There's just so many moments That's a string of words I never wish to hear again. A little FS I like children. <laughs> yeah, Actual it, line from the film. Yeah, it, like followed by a string of increasingly <laughs> off responses from Falcor. Everyone's toes were curled. Yeah, we were. It was hard to hard to look at that part. I would say, um, 
the production took a lot of liberties with the source material. Um, like Madeline mentioned, it's Fantasia now instead of Fantastica for some reason. I don't understand why, because as Patrick mentioned, you'd think you'd be infringing on Disney's property. Yeah, at but that that's point. their whole thing. Yeah, so no reason for that. Atreo does not have green skin, which, like, I get from an effects standpoint, it's going to be kind of tough to do. That would have aged even poor, more poorly. Right, than the rest that of the would film. look really weird yeah. today. Um, Probably would have been like rubbing off at the neck, <laughs> you know, around the creases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is something that I've always noticed watching this movie from when I was young to today. But Atreyu is, I think, played by like. A, an 11-year-old boy. A young pre-puberty boy. But is treated like he is a heartthrob. Like he's, he only wears a vest yeah, and his pants. I mean, he's blasting bare-chested yeah. most of the movie. Yeah. Yes. His vest is open all the time. Um, and he's also being beat up and muddied and just like... Bloody. Thrown around. Befouled. In, in knocked out of trees. It yeah, actually bloodied, kind bloodied, of... Befouled. It actually kind of reminded me of watching it and being uncomfortable with seeing children's bodies being, you know, mutilated. Yeah. Um, Okay, the never-ending story is not it. (laughs) Doesn't quite go to those depths. If you watch it, that's scary. From all of your streaming programs, they'll start recommending it to you. (laughs) Never-ending story. I mean, I don't know. There's some similarities. Um, but yeah, that, that stood out to me. Um, and I don't know, it's just, guys, it's not a good movie. It's, the script is bananas. The pacing is insane. Pacing is nuts. There are shots that are meant to be tension building, but come off as jokes. Um, like the dramatic hamster shot of the rock biter looking at the nothing. So many times the camera keeps switching from the nothing to his face. Zooming in to his eyes to the nothing to his eyes. It felt like an SNL sketch with its pacing. You could have easily put a laugh track in there. It felt intentionally funny. It did. (laughs) At a lot of different moments. I mean, we already talked a little bit about the art tags. Horrifying, but unintentionally hilarious. Although I agree with what you said, that horse was a better actor than most of the other people involved in the film, because the horse seemed sad. (laughs) He looked kind of sad. The horse looked sad. And I'm sure it's because he's submerged in in muck (laughs) up to his neck. Although they didn't show him actually sinking all the way because they didn't want to... Kill a horse. Do that effect. Um, yeah, it would have cost too much money. Just like how when Falcor later in the film is picking up the what the Orin, they they cut from him like going towards it into the next shot. He already just has it just in his holding mouth. It. They didn't want to deal with like the logistics they of getting the animatronic to pick it up. The couple times he does like when he picks up a treyu, it's like this giant like like a puppet, puppet hand claw. like just comes barely in yeah. on the side of the screen, and, and a treyu just kind of grabs onto it and is carried slowly away. Slowly lifts. <laughs> down and then slowly <sighs> lifts away and the vocals the whole time are like come on and Buckles like oh, I got you but it's just so obviously someone holding a stick with a little claw on the end of it for a tray to grab onto um the little we boy, haven't even talked about Bastion the little boy that plays Bastion, Bastion is just oh he didn't have the stuff to work with no and my thought was even more than that. I feel like he just wasn't happy acting. Like, he wasn't very interested in it. Like, his parents um, made him do it. 
Yeah. That's the vibe I, I got, too. And like I mentioned, it's hard to be in that role where your job is to react to scenes that you're reading in a book. I mean, those are actual lines where he has to look up from the book and look mm-hmm. surprised and, like, say some word and then look back at the book. That's hard for any child actor to not yeah. be terrible doing yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, on top of that, he was pretty terrible. But he was so young. So young. They did make the choice to have Bastion be a just a skinny, like normal looking, yeah. cute boy mm-hmm. instead of the fat boy that he's supposed to be in the book. And I feel like that also changes his struggles a bit. Totally. Um, because in the book, he's so concerned with his physical self. Um, and in the movie get a whole lot about Bastion's motivation or his problems. We see bullies put him in a trash can, but... A dumpster. They call it a trash can, but in fact it is is an outdoor dumpster. And there's hay in there, because when his little (laughs) head pops up, there's all his hay in his head. It's covered in hay. So much hay. Um, Our tax has been in there. Yeah, probably. Having a snack before he died in the (laughs) constant sadness. Um, before a turtle sneezed on a tray like 50 times. Yeah, he knocked around the tree no fewer than three times. There's a um, lot of turtle snot in this film. <laughs> there is. I, at first I thought it was just, yeah, the force was knocking him down, but then you could see the pretend turtle snot all over his skin. Very gross. They sp- they, the slime is very convincing in this film. If nothing else, that has aged very well. You're right. The, I didn't the, like the slime. slime. The slime was like its own character in this the movie. Slime and the slime carried was, this movie. Yeah, the slime was driving the plot forward. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, yeah, I mean, Bastion did his best, but they, he doesn't have a lot to work with. The scene with his father at the beginning is also bizarre. <laughs> um, and then he doesn't get any other time with his dad so they don't reconnect at the end the dad never appears on screen again no he's never in the movie again the bookkeeper is neither there's no moment there's no connection reunion when he and his dad come together and they're like okay i understand why we weren't communicating and we can have a better relationship no uh the end of the movie is just some made-up nonsense where bastion rides falcor (laughs) into a the city where he lives and then chases his boys right, no. through that, the streets. That ending was it's so I was cracking It's a bad message it's, for children, too. Well, the ending is beyond garbage because it makes so, 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 so little sense with the actual mythos of the book that, like, oh, LOL, Falcor, the tone is yeah. wrong. Yeah. The, the story mechanic is wrong. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's it doesn't weird. make sense. It's really weird. One liberty the film did take that I really appreciate is in the beginning when the dad is making breakfast as he's lecturing Bastion, you watch him put three eggs into a blender, blend it, so you're thinking, okay, he's just too lazy to whisk. He's going to pour it into the pan. He's going to make an omelet. Scrambled eggs. He pours it into a cup and just is just drinking it. Yeah. His, his egg shake while lecturing his son. And you can't even call that an egg shake because there are no other eggs. ingredients. It no salt, just, no seasoning. It's just eggs. It's just it's eggs. It's just a cup of eggs. There was, um, there was a cry from the room when he like, when no, the actor really do it. immediately poured it. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Um... So I know it seems like we're being really down. Madeline did see just with a casual Google, so right at the top of the results, a BuzzFeed article that was something like 10 reasons you should not watch The NeverEnding Story as an adult. Yeah. But also, can't we make better things for the children? Like, I think I think we the can The Hobbit is ostensibly a children's book. I'm not talking about the movies here. Never talk about those movies. But the book is an amazing book. And we can talk children. about the animated The Hobbit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, which... Is also a funny movie. This is madness. 
14 against 10,000. 10, okay. Yeah, you can tell we enjoyed that. So children. Here, here are some things that if you, uh, if you Google never-ending story runtime, some of the other things that you get, uh, people also ask. People, people are confused. What is the name Bastion yells in the never-ending story? Major plot point. You can't tell because he's screaming into a storm. How does Mountain! He... Grandchild! I'm trying to what say did, it. What did you think he said, like, Patrick? Fred Durley. If I began with yeah. an F, I could not tell yeah. what he was Patrick saying. Patrick had no Impossible. idea. Another question. How does Artax die? <laughs> I feel like they made that abundantly clear, clear, though. Yeah, that was very clear. Pretty clear. There was a little Artex. voiceover exposition right before he died. Further question. What is the name of the flying duck? <laughs> also great. <laughs> he actually... Atreus oh, screams God. Falcor like six million I times. I think Falcor might be in the movie more than any other word. Yeah. Constant Falcor talk. Yeah, I mean. Oh, um, yeah, and the other, I guess the other problem we had with so many of the characters being portrayed by puppets, um, none of their mouths work the way puppet mouths are supposed to. And I think beyond that, the people operating them just weren't. Doing a great job. So, I I don't know if like to the point where it was pretty distracting. Like we're not trying to nitpick. These are all things that kind of came clear off the screen to us. It was pretty pretty obvious. They couldn't not be noticed. Yes, exactly. Um, I know that's a double negative. I'm sorry. Don't do that. No, Patrick, I'm on board. That's that was the right thing to say. Uh, so now that we've completely tried <laughs> that, um, if you're still here, <laughs> we followed up our first hour and a half of enjoyable garbage with a 21 minute episode of unenjoyable garbage <laughs> of something worse. <laughs> the, uh, okay, this animated series, it made me angry. <laughs> Madeline was in a mood after we left the apartment to go get ice cream for our, our post-break, our post-never-ending story break. We spent um, so many hours re-watching. Two hours total. The same. No, oh. I mean, as children. Mean as children. As okay. children, we watched I was like, those. Madeline, today might have felt interminable, but <laughs> about two hours. Only no, because that VHS had like five different episodes on yeah. it. We watched that so many times. And, okay, so just to make you guys at least a little familiar with this, um, every episode has the same structure. Bastion is at home with his weird dad who has a mustache. And yeah, Dad's a lot friendlier in this show. He's very friendly. He's also, like, an idiot. Like, he has <laughs> no um, ability to do much of anything. He's other just kind than... of a walking, yeah, sound. Dad advice. Um... He didn't eat a cup of eggs, as far as we no, could he, tell. He was baking these delicious pastries. Yeah, he was ba baking really good-looking, like, good like, looking, like really apple intense-looking pastries. Poops yeah. of joy. Um, <laughs> but uh, every episode is the same structure. Bastion's at home with his dad. He has some kind of real-life concern or problem. Um, and then he goes to read The NeverEnding Story, and the book strobes rainbows on his face, and then he's pulled in and is physically inside Fantasia, because it's also Fantasia in this series for some reason yeah. i don't know our tray was in like the opening credits of the show i wonder but... if that had to do with the lawsuit it, well it said he lost the suit but maybe he said that they couldn't call it fantastica that he lost the suit i know but maybe they changed it at first out of but i don't know but, and anyway it would make sense because these two bodies of work about it 
Maybe they just thought Fantasca was too hard for non-Germans to say. Fantasca is also a weird word. Like, Mm. I I did think that that it could have been a better name. It's a German name, so it's... I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think about that. Do you think the names are translated from German fantasy names into, like, more English? No, 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 no. I I just think that in German, the word Fantastica is less difficult for native German speakers to say. Okay, I agree. So he's sucked into Fantasia, and he fixes some kind of puzzle that's going on there. Goes home, talks to his dad at the end of the episode, and is like, everything's great now. Thumbs up. And then that's it. And the main villain in Fantasia is... Um, Zaida. Zaida. From the second half of the book, which is not covered in the 1984 film. No, she's not in that film. No, she's really not <laughs> at all. And, she looks, and she's like a sexy sorceress. She looks like a supervillain, yeah. Yeah, she has a mask and a hood. Her eyes are these little yellow slits that like change shape. She's angry they slant down. And she one can of those. shoot energy out of them. <laughs> she's just like a classic evil sorceress. I mean, she's basically a Skeletor in a yeah. skin. Well, yeah. there's a lot about this series that reminds me of Thundercats and like similar He-Man, He-Man yeah. and yeah, similar series that were from around that time period. Um, this series is from, I think, like 94? 95. We 95. Yeah. Um, so the episode we watched is available on YouTube if you want to check it out. It's called Mirror Mirror. And it's about an evil mirror. And uh, you know what? I'm not even going to show this. You don't need to. The plot doesn't make sense. You just don't need to um, go into the plot. All the messy exposition that's being delivered by different characters. One sentence in, we're looking at each other like, no. But, well, it just doesn't make any sense no, either. It it's not just that it's out of whack with the book. It's just, right. they just, even it's within impossible. the everything that's totally encapsulated what's happening in this show it just all clashes with itself doesn't make any sense at all but uh you get to see an evil bastion he's angry eyed (laughs) he throws rubber scorpions around at her three-headed henchman at zaida's three-headed henchman who i don't think is called three head ever a character anywhere in the book yeah his name is three head oh and then uh the childlike empress's helper is named large head right yeah yeah it actually was it was like large i think that part of the reason it made me so angry is that it's taking a lot more so and in different ways than the movie it's taking this wonderful font of just awesome subject matter and just like covering it in coats and coats of mundane nonsense Mm -hmm. until it's just this watered down like crappy tasteless chewed up gum of a tv show what about the dinner music (laughs) there was one joke we liked that also made no sense but it was enjoyable um yeah and you can tell that the animation was done by like an drunk 12 year old um on the cheap yeah, that they could pay as little as possible for. I when I was doing research, I saw some stills and other bits from the series where like just half of Bastion's body was missing because they didn't feel like animating it. Um, and our favorite moment from the series as children was when Bastion was sitting at a table about to eat a sandwich, and then I think his dad calls his dad him. comes in and goes like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you gotta go, <laughs> something like that. And then Bastion just seamlessly shoves the entire sandwich into his mouth as if he's 
sucking it through barely barely straw. masticating it all just like inhaling that sandwich and in the same beat just jumps up from the table to run away and it's animated in such a way that it's baffling to watch as soon as you see it you're just like what i don't know what's happening and frankly it's is there a dangerous thing to tell children they should do <laughs> Yet another bad message. Yes, children. <laughs> Bully your bullies and suck your sandwiches down. Is Atreyu in the show at all? I don't know because we only had like he's six in the, episodes. He's, oh, he's in the opening credits. He's in the opening credits, so I would assume And he's actually he green. Is. He's actually he's green. green. He's not green in the film. He's like bronze. Because the other characters he's we white. see in the opening <laughs> had episodes, you know, like yeah. the Bark Troll um, and the uh, and Ingle and... We didn't even talk about them in the movie. No, no they're horrible. They're, they're so horrible to each oh other. They're also really hard to look at, both of them. Like they made them grotesque. They have like They tried to give the guy a, a buck tooth, but it looks like a, a tusk. It yeah, it looks like that tooth <laughs> is a freak of nature. That tooth <laughs> should not exist. It's longer than his entire mouth. He can't close his mouth. If, if he has that kind of bone defect, like he yeah. wouldn't have made it to that age. No, uh, just, absolutely like, not. There's no. It's horrible. Anyway, <laughs> we're we're all really upset right now. So uh, this is yeah a, a bit of a, a anomaly. <coughs> Usually we're pretty happy and excited about what we read and watch and consume. Um, I mean I I don't take back the time spent viewing it. No, no that was entertaining. And it I was think entertaining. Anything, what this shows us is that this is a difficult to adapt book. Um, I think you need. Someone who really understands the story. The other problem... It's only about half the book, too. It's only half the book. And also the complicated message, um, the philosophical concept behind metaphysics and the human world and how they're connected. They call humans earthlings in the movie, which just totally felt wrong. Totally fuddles the point and makes it pretty much impossible for anyone to understand. Um, and at the end, they show Falcor and Atreyu floating through space, like where there's right. like little pieces of rock and stuff. It just, like, no wonder people are confused by it and asking questions. <laughs> like, what's the like, flying what's dog's, the flying dog's name? <laughs> it's it's a mess, yeah. I mean, fun to watch. Yes. I wouldn't. Don't watch it alone. Watch I it with company. I also wouldn't show it to a child. Like, we have a three-year-old sister, and I no, would not show would her not. this movie. It's too scary yeah. and too upsetting. Even in a few years, I don't think it's right. Whereas, I'm excited to show her. Oh, we already showed her Muppet Christmas Carol this year. <laughs> she wasn't interested. No, she was no. busy playing with her Paw Patrol figurines. Yeah, it wasn't Paw Patrol, so the, or Peppa Pig, so it doesn't matter. three of us were really into it, we but Issa did not care. <laughs> yeah. The three of us were excited, but someday, someday. Um, but yeah, uh, Neverending Story is not next on the list. Um, yeah, I'm curious if you guys have rewatched the movie since you were children. Um, and also, if anyone out there has ever seen that animated series, it's really weird. We really want to try to find more of it. Um, Madeline and Patrick didn't remember the Mirror Mirror episode. I swear that we had that one because I do remember moments from it, but... Remember those terrible opera singing trees. I do have a reaction from my boyfriend who, when he asked how my morning was going over text, I said, we're watching this terrible never-ending story movie. It's so bad. 
And he said, I loved those movies. They're so good. Have you seen the other movies? And I said... You've seen two and three? Have you watched it since you became an adult? This movie is not good. <laughs> he said, I watched it a couple years ago. I thought it was still pretty fun. You're so mean. So... Oh, no. <laughs> great. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> I wish you had told us before we recorded this so we could be like a little bit toned down. No, no, I love it. And so, look, I'm directly connected to one of the people who still loves this movie and I don't understand any of you. And if you do love it, it's fine. Like, our hearts are cold and much like Zaida's, we, well, we hate Bastion. Cold as a rock giant. It's like Mima always said, different strokes for different folks. Patrick's weirdly holding my shoulder right now, and I, I don't know how I feel about it. We don't have a relative that we call Mima. <laughs> we don't have a Mima, so yeah, I don't know who that woman is. But um, yeah, let us know your thoughts. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Dragon Babies Pod, Instagram at Dragon Babies Podcast. <laughs> And dragonbabiespodcast.com. Or you can just send us an email directly at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Next time we'll have a real mic set up. Sorry, this whole episode is so quiet. (laughs) We'll see you guys soon. Until next time. Take care.